The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I am joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger Basketball Beat Writer. Uh, We are fresh off of a weekend in which uh, Memphis basketball was a little overshadowed by the football team for multiple reasons, but... uh, in the midst of an AAC championship in football, in the midst of uh, a coaching search for football, uh, the Memphis basketball team got a fairly significant uh, win over UAB, Just not because they beat UAB, but because of how it happened. Um, a come, They come from behind, they, they erase a 20-point deficit, I believe, and uh, emerge with their first true road win of the year. Um, down t- down thirty one eleven yes kind of lateish in the first half and down fifteen at some point in the second half in the first few minutes of the second half I mean and, and even they were down six with five minutes to go like they 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 showed a lot of there there was a lot to be concerned about yeah especially yeah. in the first half and yeah. like the first you know twenty five minutes of the game but there was also a lot in the end. To be encouraged about because ultimately, once again, they came through when they needed to. Jason, you were down there in Birmingham. Uh, I guess what were your thoughts on what we what we learned about this team and heading into a huge game at Tennessee this Saturday? What we should be concerned about? Well, I would say. I would say, first off, the Tigers did not shoot the ball well at all in the first half. I think 25% from the field. And, um, you know, there were, there were, but more than that, I would say the foul trouble. They got into some serious foul trouble pretty quickly. DJ Jeffries picked up two quick ones and he sat after only playing six minutes. Uh, Alex Lomax played three minutes in the first half because he picked up a personal foul and then immediately got hit with a technical. Um, and so he was uh, given the, the hook. Um, very early and 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 as we've seen over the course of the first quarter of this season no Alex Lomax is usually a, a pretty bad thing for this for this team that is Sands James Wiseman and and Lester Canonis right now so um, I, I think and 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 uh, there was a pregame conversation that I had with um, assistant coach Tony Madlock uh, who we were talking about um, the fact that there was not expected to be that many people there. There weren't expected to be a big crowd at, uh, at Bartow Arena uh, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which was UAB was playing a Conference USA football championship in Boca Raton um, at the same time or thereabouts. Uh, and so, but uh, Coach Madlock made the point that no matter how few people are there, when you're on the road, um, it, it's not necessarily the noise they're making or uh, how how well or not they're getting inside your head as a player or a coach. They sometimes have a tendency to get inside the head of a of a of a referee, and and referees will start calling games differently just because of the the way the fans are, uh, you know, how into it the fans were, and and UAB's fans were into it. Is even though 
you know, I estimated that the, the place was about half full, but they were scattered pretty well and very, very, very loud. Especially, I mean, look, when you get up 20 points on Memphis, you know, that's good. The crowd's going to get into it, no matter how big or small it is. And, um, and so the whistles just, the whistles were not going Memphis's way early and the shots weren't falling, but, uh, Alex Lomax and DJ Jeffries had huge second halves. Uh, Precious Achua's shot started falling. He was 0 for 6, I think, in the first half, something like that. His shot started falling. Well, it was, it, what, what was interesting to me is in that first half, they did the typical freshman thing where things weren't going well, and then every guy started trying to take over the game themselves, Precious yep. in particular. And a part of that is not having Alex Lomax. I mean, he's been the yes. guy who has sort of... Well, do we think... It, I? I'm curious. I I think it's probably because Penny does not trust them to not pick up their third foul. But there is a thought in a lot of college basketball circles, like just because someone gets two fouls doesn't mean you should just sit them the whole half, even though that is what Penny has. Has That is his strategy. Yeah, yeah. He Um, did that with James Wiseman. Like I'm I'm a Michigan. I watch a lot of Michigan games. John Beeline did that too. And there's some, but like I would say, I I probably agree with Penny in the sense that. These guys have not shown an ability to not foul. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they're 247th in the country in terms of giving up free throw attempts, uh, according to Ken Palm. Like they, yeah. they foul a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they weren't, they, they didn't defend the three very well in the first half against UAB. UAB was hitting some big threes. And, um, but and they gave up a lot of rebounds again. Uh, yes. And, <laughs> and, and I would say, yeah, a lot of that was in the first half. Interestingly enough, uh, in the second half, they each team had 17 rebounds. So, so I think they were out rebounded by eight for the game. So, mm-hmm. um, eight in the first half uh, was the was the the deficit, but they they tied things up in the second half. So now this is two games in a row essentially where they have not like you had two games in a row against Ole Miss and NC State, where yeah there were some there was some holding late leads. There was you know they gave up some big leads late in those games, but like ultimately, you know, shined in the moments that really mattered most. And and overall, you came away going, man, that team played well. Mm-hmm. And now they've had two games where, again, they did you know two games in a row where you came away going, man, they didn't really play that well. But but they won both of they them. Won both of them. And these teams aren't like bad teams necessarily. No, no, that these UAB are... you know UAB had you know gave. I mean, like, frankly, they ended up winning by a similar margin yeah. as Kentucky and Texas That's did right. against UAB at UAB at UAB. Yeah, and so and and that that down the stretch, like, there were some very encouraging things. One, Malcolm Dandridge looked very good. Yeah, right? it was easily his best game since coming back from injury. Gave he was the best five, if you will, they had in that game, and yep. you could see Penny. You know, he's still working his way back conditioning wise, but you could see Penny was trying to use him as much as he possibly could yeah yeah you and i were talking about it before we started recording and i I told you he looked he for a five for a true five is very smooth and i and he had they only credited him with one credited him with one steal but he had another one another a couple times where he was getting hand and hand on ball um uh deflect you know ball deflections and and it wasn't because of his length necessarily it was Mm -hmm. because he's got He's he's displaying some very very good instincts and a smoothness about him that's 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 nice to see. So another thing that was encouraging, I thought their their press their pressure defense was more effective than it had been all year. That's right. Forced a lot of turnovers, helped them get helped them crank up the tempo a little bit in the second half. Really helped. You know they they seem to 
frustrate UAB's guards after UAB's guards had a very good first half. That stretch where DJ Jeffries went on a 9-0 run by himself, a mm-hmm. lot of that was because of the press that they were, mm-hmm. you know, because of the defensive pressure that they were applying. I mean, he was getting he was, you know, he was getting rebounds and he was getting steals and he, you know, and he I mean, a 9-0 run by yourself, he kind of yeah. took over and it, and you know, it was overshadowed a little bit because they were still somewhat behind. I mean, that didn't like give them the lead or anything. And so it was like the last three minutes of the game where Precious had a tip in that gave him a lead. Alex Lomax yeah. had a couple well, of... Well, and that's what I was going to point out is is we talked about before the season. This team, they're so young, and it's like, what are they going to do? What are we, we going to see from them in the last four minutes of a close game? You know, when you have all these freshmen and your veterans are sophomores and you're the least experienced team in the country. And now... In three of the past four games, they have had to make big plays in the waning moments of games, and no matter who it is, they've come through. There's been a, you know, Lomax has kind of been a cons- the consistent one throughout making the big plays, but then you had in that game, like Precious was not playing well until the last five to ten minutes of that game, Correct. but then... He started going into the post more. Started instead of drifting away from the basket and like playing on the playing from trying to go outside in. He was he went inside out, yes. if you will. He yes. started get he started attacking the glass more. He started playing in the post more, and then at the end he hit a jumper. Yeah. Um. But and he, but in those last five minutes he hit some big buckets for them. Yeah. Lomax. Had some big plays for them. That three point play, the dish right. to really seal the deal. Um, that was to Precious, I believe, as well. Yeah. And then you mentioned DJ in that stretch where they were really like. That was a little. That was a stretch right there where if it went, if it had stayed at fifteen or seventeen or whatever the lead was at that point, or like fifteen or fourteen, if it stayed like that for a few more minutes, I'm not sure they come back. But because DJ had that moment, that little that surge, that put them in position. That made UAB nervous. That put them in position to complete the comeback. And then even Boogie, Boogie had the big. You know, it wasn't shooting well. They weren't shooting well as a team. And Boogie hits the big three with an, with an assist from DJ Jeffries. I might yes. add. Um, and they didn't hit a ton of threes. I don't have the number in front of me, but Tyler Harris hit a big one in the first half. Ryan Boyce hit a big one in the first half. Jane Hardaway had a big one. Had a nice big one uh, in the second. Jane Hardaway had a big one. It was like right after. It was that ridiculous dunk by Taven Loven, yes. where he went coast to coast. Where he, almost he made a move on Alex Lomax that Alex is probably gonna. Be- well, that was just a special move by him. And then Jaden, it was Jaden shot one of those threes where if he misses it, it's a horrible shot in right. the moment but he made it so <laughs> he did um and it so it was huge it was huge it was. that he made it um and it was interesting because penny play ended up playing let's see three six nine eleven guys and that's without lester quinones and uh james wiseman. and james wiseman and 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 if you notice there was a stretch where he had correct me if i'm wrong Jaden hardaway ryan boyce malcolm dandridge i think tyler harris and uh, who was the fifth one? I can't remember who the fifth one was. I think it was Boogie. It was like an all-Memphis yeah. lineup. Oh, it was? It wasn't Boogie. Who would have been the other? Um, Not Lomax or no, Damian no. Ball? No, I don't remember. Anyway, it was it was just a very um, – it was a lineup we hadn't seen yeah. this year. And uh, and I don't know. It's it, that experimentation that he is 
you know, that he showed he, he was uh, completely willing to do for a long time last year. He's still doing it. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, look, he's finding out, he's figuring out what works and, um, so far so good. Six straight wins, eight and one. They're up to number 13 in the AP poll. They're number 34 in Ken Palm right now. And now they have arguably maybe their toughest, uh, toughest non-conference game of the year because they're going to be going into Knoxville to play Tennessee on Saturday. They got the week off for exams. Tennessee is 21 in Ken Palm. They're 7-1. and one. Their only loss is a neutral court loss to Florida State. Did you see what... Uh... They've beaten Washington. Their big win this year is over Washington, and they've also beaten VCU, who's, who's expected to win the Atlantic 10 this year. Did you see what um, the USA Today coaches poll? No, what? They are tied for 17th okay. with Memphis in the coaches' poll. Really? Yes. Interesting. Well, that's fascinating. Yes. And then um, they actually have consecutive big AAC showdowns. They got they play at Cincinnati on next uh, the after they play Memphis. Kind of wish that one would be before the Memphis game. That might give us a little bit better idea of what you know what I mean. Like, but I, this I, I I've been waiting for this game since the moment. Penny told Rick Barnes to get the F out of here. I mean, like the game at FedEx Forum last year, even though ultimately that Memphis Memphis gave Tennessee a good game in that game. They they played well. Memphis played well. Yes. But ultimately, every time they, they threatened Tennessee, Tennessee made plays and separated themselves quickly. Yeah. Um, and so the game was great. But it's the after, it's the post game with, you know the the, the ball, flopping you know, Penny, allegations. The, well, Penny the, claiming that you know when Jordan Bone and a- Alex Lomax got into it um, that at, late in the game that uh, Tennessee's players came over to the be- near the M- Memphis bench with balled up fists as if they were getting ready to fight. Now, in retrospect, that was ex- he was exaggerating that there you know it was like your typical just pushing and shoving. At the same time. Penny had a point that why was Tennessee's whole team over by Memphis's bench like that? Very that good shouldn't point. have that should not have happened. Correct. Um, then you've got you've got Rick Barnes and the and the voice of the Vols, I forget his name. Um, yeah, on, I don't remember. It's on not, the radio, kind of joking about Jimmy Himes. That, that's no, 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 no. He's a reporter. Um, I should know it. He's there on ninety. He does Vol calls. Um, but and he's very good. They're very good. Whatever. But. Um, talking on the radio about Memphis's flopping, and to be fair, when you look at it, and there's those highlights, there's the the video that came out. Memphis did flop several times in that game. There's no denying. Again, though, should Rick Barnes and and the radio host really have been joking about it? I don't know. You could argue both ways because you know Penny had made the comments post game mm-hmm. um, that. Tennessee didn't agree with right um and then Penny obviously took a lot of offense to the the like that basically the insinuation that they would teach flopping at Memphis right um and then you had the press conference where he just poured gasoline on this thing and and went after Rick Barnes and and ended it by saying Rick Barnes and shaking his head as he was walking out get the f out of here yeah um, called it did he say low class yeah, was something like something, that. Yeah. I mean, and so obviously, the, I, I don't know who Rick Barnes thinks I am. I think that was yeah. another uh, buzz quote uh, from Penny. Hardman. Since then, it's been 
ice cold, that relationship, if there was one to begin with between Rick Barnes and Penny right. Hardaway, has been ice cold. I literally, I, I have been looking forward to watching the, how this unfolds on Saturday in Knoxville. Like when Penny walks into that gym, Thompson Bowling Arena, like what the reaction is going to be. And then you add on to it, it's a, it's a shame Lester Quinones is hurt. But you got him. That sucks. You got him in a war of words with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield on Twitter, um, and then you've got the other layer of it where now Rick Barnes is saying he doesn't think you know they're playing this year in Knoxville, next year in Nashville, and Rick Barnes is telling people is saying publicly, I don't know if we're going. I don't think this series is going to continue. Right. And so, just a whole lot of. Take out the fact that these are two pretty good teams yeah. going at it, you know that are going to play two, two top twenty two teams. top twenty teams that are going to play against each other. It's good. there's just a whole lot of whole lot of drama potential drama and just just good old fashioned uh, good old fashioned heat if you will yeah, to this use is a, a grudge match yeah man. and and I don't understand where Rick Barnes is coming from. this is this these are the games college basketball desperately needs yeah. especially in non-conference play when it's competing with foot NFL and college football for people's attention um I really really hope my hope for this game is that I you know I don't know who's going to win I think it's going to be a great game but I hope I hope it comes down to the wire the atmosphere is unbelievable in Knoxville and and Rick Barnes and the Tennessee folks come away going, you know what? Like we don't need to like these guys, but this is like, how could we? How could we get rid of something like this? Like, right. yes, Tennessee can schedule someone else, maybe even someone else who's similar in stature to Memphis. They could schedule another series with a top fifteen team, but is that series going to be able to replicate the emotion and the just the the spirit? Of the Memphis series, no way. There's no, no chance. Well, and so yeah, I hope the... cooler heads ultimately prevail here in terms of uh, this series continuing beyond next season. You're sitting here talking about the atmosphere. I'm, I'm literally scrolling through the Amazon app uh, to to I'm pricing decibel meter um, decibel meters. I think I'm I'm, I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to get a decibel meter and uh, and bring it to Thompson Bowling. Don't you? Don't wouldn't you? That's a good idea, right? As long as I don't have to pay for it, I mean they're not that expensive. Uh, yeah. I, I mean I I don't you know it's going to be loud is my point. Like it's going to yes. be it's going to be That's electric. It's a big arena too. That's like the size of a pro arena. It's going to be electric in Knoxville on Saturday, and uh, we're going to be there for it. We're going to be there for it. Yes, we will be there in mass, and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I mean, and and you know, win or lose, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Uh, yes, well, well, you know, this, I mean, this is gonna be a test for this team. Like UAB was a road game, but it wasn't. It's not. It's not like this. Oregon was a game, and you know, technically kind of on the road, but it wasn't on campus. It's not gonna be like this. It was, you know, right. that was like a pro environment. Like right. they, these these freshmen have not experienced something like this, and it is a shame. That Wiseman's not going to play in it. That Kenyon. I would love to see how these guys would respond to it with the full roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have to play better than they did the last two games to win. Like, there's no oh, doubt about that. Yeah, they, oh, they, yeah. You- they're probably going to have to play better than they did. They're going to have to. They are going to have to look like the team that played that first half against NC State. They're going to have to do that for 30 to 35 minutes to win this game. Like, you cannot just play one half. 
You can maybe get away, you know, like they're young. You're not going to play 40 minutes of perfect basketball. Right. But they got to play a good majority of it like they did against NC State in the first half. Or they're not, it, it's just too hard to win on the road. And this Tennessee team, even though it's lost a lot from a year ago, it still returns enough. It still had a pretty good recruiting class. Um, they've shown they are a solid team. They're a contender in the SEC. They're better than Ole Miss. Um, yeah. And so it they're going to have to play better. And yeah. I mean, it, it's it's uh, I don't know. It, it's it's not going to it doesn't kill you if you lose. If you're Memphis, it doesn't derail anything by any stretch of the imagination. But if you win. I mean, if you if, if Memphis goes into Knoxville and wins, then this season takes on a whole new. You know, you've done it without James Wiseman and Lester Quinones. Um, I mean, this they se- can go into Knoxville and win. They can, that means they can they even without James Wiseman they can win every game remaining on their schedule if they play well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so I mean, this this seems like to me, it might be given the circumstances, might be the t- this or the at Wichita State game because I assume because after Jan- January twelfth you're going to have Wiseman. Those two are the two toughest games left on their schedule, given the circumstances. Like, at Houston will be tough. At Cincinnati will be tough, but you'll have James Wiseman. Yeah, as long games. as he's not hurt. He, at UConn have... will be tough. You'll have James Wiseman. Yeah. The, the the two tough games remaining, and Georgia will be interesting, but I don't think Georgia's that good. They're a one-man team, it seems right, like, right, Anthony right. Edwards. But the Wichita that at Wichita State game later on in January, at the beginning of January. January 9th. Yeah, right before Wiseman comes back and this one. These seem to be the two toughest left without Wiseman. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've got a few days now to uh, to ha- let the anticipation continue to, you know, to really build. shift into hyper overdrive here. But, um, uh, yeah, we're going to be there. Uh, Mark and I will be there uh, at at uh, Thompson Bowling, and we will maybe have a decibel meter by then. We'll see. we'll see, and uh, we'll 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 have everything, uh, all your coverage needs, all your Memphis uh, UT coverage needs. All right, till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is hosted by Mark Giannato and Jeff Calkins, and can be found each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.